Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 206. Thank you for tuning in, guys. It's been a hell of a few days. We had the 10-year anniversary of mine and Dan Lasak's debut album, Angles, and that was amazing. We did a live Twitch thing on Dan's Twitch channel, and I've never really been on Twitch before, despite talking about it on the podcast a few times, and I really enjoyed it. And we had a lot of good questions about our career and about our history and all sorts of other stuff. So I'm going to make a little, um, or buddy piece, the, the maestro, is going to knock together a little highlights episode for the podcast from that. So hopefully that'll be next week. I've got the, I keep, I've been holding off on this ass pip, haven't I, for ages that I told you I had. But anyway, tons of stuff to come. We did a limited edition re-release of Angles on vinyl, on purple vinyl. And much to our shock, it sold out in in 30 minutes. So that was amazing. You guys are the best. We did um, a limited edition new t-shirt design by Mr. Heggie. The first new Dan Lassac versus Scroobius Pip merch in years. In probably four or five years. And that's that sold out over the weekend. So that's kind of insane. We're, we're looking... If you head to, to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, obviously we've got a, a load of good stuff there. I plug it every, every week on this podcast. But we're looking at maybe doing... Because the Heggy one was a, a, a gold foil print limited edition. Uh, we're looking at maybe doing a white on black print as a non-limited one. Um, because they've just gone down so well and you guys are lovely. So yeah, keep an eye on that. Speechdevelopmentrecords.com. You can of course head over there for all sorts of stuff. Supporting the podcast. The Drunk Cast tees. We've scheduled a new Drunk Cast. Um, we're going to be recording a Drunk Cast in a few weeks. So get yourself mentally and physically ready for that because it's going to be intense i should mention that when as this goes out it's not this weekend it's the weekend after two things two things if you're in london it's we are lizards on saturday night that's the 26th i think um at the book club we've got doc brown previous distraction pieces podcast guest coming down to spin some tunes it's going to be amazing and then on the 27th um, I'm doing the only live Distraction Pieces podcast of the year, I think, um, and that's at the Wells Comedy Festival, and I'd love you guys to come along, because I'm starting to panic, it's going to be shit, because as 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 you'll know if you've heard the live ones, the way it works is <clears throat> I open up the stage, so I have a table and chairs there and a mic, and the audience become the guest, and they, they can come up one at a time, and either ask me questions, or pick a subject that they want to kind of talk about and discuss with me. Like I've had nurses on to discuss the NHS. I've had people who are, are doing a lot of travelling coming on to kind of discuss what's exciting them there and things like that. I've had people who want to come and talk about wrestling or mixed martial arts, which today's episode is is primarily about. So yeah, that's always exciting, but this one's at a comedy festival and my fear is... I'm going to sell a load of tickets to people who don't really know what it is, who are expecting a stand-up set. I'm not a comedian, spoiler alert. And they're going to be just furious and, and disappointed. So I need as many of you guys in there to come and engage and hang out and meet me. I'm going to be down there. I'm getting there on the Sunday. I'm coming on my own. I'm coming straight from the club night. Um, so, so, so yeah, the more of you, the better, the more welcome and, and 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 less lonely and secluded i feel so come along to that at the world's comedy festival the lineup in general is fantastic over the weekend you've got richard herring you've got 
Brett Goldstein and Brian Gittins, James A. Caster, tons of my favourite um, previous guests and just comedians in general. Tim Key is doing his set, I think. I'm going to try and blag my way into that, I think. Um, but yeah, it's it's strong, so check that out. But back to the podcast at hand, or the, the, the subject at hand, as well as the club night on the Saturday and the Wells Comedy Festival on the Sunday, on the Friday in London is Bellator 200. And the lineup is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. If you can get down there, get down. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make it down. As you can see, I've got a, a busy weekend, but I'm going to try and make it along. Um, MVP is fighting. He's one of my favourite British fighters at the moment. His highlight reel is ridiculous. Um, he's hopefully coming on the podcast soon. We were going to try and line it up before the event and haven't managed yet, but we'll see what we can do. Um, you've also got R- R- Roy Nelson against Mirko Krokop. Two legit legends of the sport uh you've got Gergard Musasi on there who's one of my favorite middleweights of all time so that's great yeah the lineup is fantastic and it's all on Friday the 25th in London at the O2 I think at the O2 or is it a Wembley Arena easy to, 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 to find out go and have a look at the O2 but then also, if you're not at Wells Comedy Festival on the 27th, which is where you should be, if you happen to be in the other half of the country, then a UFC has possibly its best card in the country in years, headlined by the Liverpool's own Darren Till in Liverpool, Liverpool's own Darren Till against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, which is a hell of a matchup as well. So, um, yeah, that's incredibly exciting. So it's a hell of a weekend for mixed martial arts in the UK. I can't recommend it enough. If you're new to the sport, hopefully you'll listen to this podcast and it'll lure you in a little bit. And again, it's good timing because there's a lot of good stuff to watch. It'll be on BT Sports. I'm not sure where the Bellator one is because previously they haven't been on TV. But then when they have the Bama ones, they're on Channel 5. But yeah, they're great. There's t- That's two great cards in one weekend and and my club night. And my podcast at the Wells Comedy Festival. What a time to be alive. Um, let's get into this podcast. Every Distraction Pieces podcast, the aim is that even though there's some specialist subjects and topics, they have appeal to everyone. And this is no, no different from that. Um, Mark Goddard is a mixed martial arts referee. In my opinion, he's the best in the world at the moment. I think he's fantastic. It's interesting because... We recorded this a week or two back, and he refereed a fight at the weekend. And in this podcast, we kind of talk about how he feels fighter safety is paramount. And he even states, "Am I giving any spoilers?" I can't know. It's worth talking. I was thinking, shall I discuss this in the outro? I will actually. I'll discuss it in the outro because it's specific fight-based stuff, and you might not be interested if you're not an MMA fan yet. I think by the end of this, you'll be interested because the, th- the thing I love about Mark is he's calm, intelligent, articulate and rational. Um, and he's a real example of what mixed martial arts is about rather than what a lot of people outside of it, particularly in the UK, think of it as cage fighting or blokes just just beating the hell out of each other. It's not about that. So it was exciting to sit down and talk to Mark. Um you will hear how excited I get because I'm a fan of Mark and I like to flex my MMA muscles because there's a lot of, it's a sport that's growing and growing and there's more and more celebrity fans who don't actually kind of know 
the sport much, which is fine. It's great for the more exposure, but I've literally been watching it for 15 or so years, maybe as much as 20, no, or 15 or so years. And I never miss an event. And I, you know, it's purely any, any showing off I do in this episode to show my, my knowledge and MMA intelligence is purely from a place of excitement. I love it. I love it as a sport. I never miss, um, I rarely miss a single fight. So I'll be tuning in as, as I record this, I did last night, tuning in at 11, 15 in the evening to watch the prelims and then watching until I got to bed at 6am last night. Cause the main event, uh, was a longer one. And that's the fight I'll talk about at the end. Cause it's an interesting, cause Mark, um, refereed it. And there was some controversy. But yeah, obviously, we talk about all things mixed martial arts. We talk about Mark's career. And we talk about one Conor McGregor. Obviously, you can't not talk about him at the moment. And yeah, I kind of state, quite honestly, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not the biggest fan at the moment of that, of that young man. But anyway, I'll let the podcast go. Let's um, jump into that. This is episode 206 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Mark Goddard. Right, and we're rolling. I'm joined today by Mark Goddard. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. And good to see you, mate. It's, thanks for coming. It's been a while, isn't it? We've been lining this podcast up for a good few years now, I think. And I'd say two years, probably. Yeah, it's finally happening. We're here. You're, you're in my opinion, the, the number one ref in MMA at the moment. And I think you've always been up there with Big John. Big John's now kind of stepped into commentary at Bellator for a bit, hasn't he? And... Herb is a legend, but man, he's had some sh- some shaky ones of late, or some controversial decisions and, and yeah. moments. And I think you've your calmness and diplomacy and consistency in the cage is always it's 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 exciting for me to see because it means the sport that I love is safe and in safe hands as such. Because the perception in the UK, I mean, that's a good place to start. It's changing in recent years, but for a long time, MMA in the UK has been seen as cage fighting the toughest guys and it's dormant against or the image of dormant yep. against dormant type thing well yeah. first of all thanks for the for the accolade <laughs> yeah no worries you know it's um uh you know i talk about that people when people say about you know the best and stuff it, it is nice to be recognized and i think uh, what i say is when you have awards and, and whatnot it's nice when it's voted for by the the public yeah you know but at the end of the day, it's kind of like a it's a popularity contest as well. Of course, yeah. But but the biggest name, the most marketed names, and so on and so forth. Yeah, there is that, and obviously, I don't live in the US, but you know, I've I've been doing, I've been doing okay, shall we say? Yeah, you know, I'm doing great. And like you said, yeah, with with, with Herb and and John, obviously, John's took a bit of a sidestep at the minute, yeah. and uh, you know, I've listened to a few of what he's doing. He's he's doing really good. You know, he's yeah. killing it. Um, and yeah, John's a, he's a, a good friend of mine and yeah. obviously somebody who I look up to, Yeah, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Well, but, John kind of got to learn on the job as such, because you see him in early UFCs when the rules weren't properly established and it felt like John was kind of at points influencing that, of saying, no, this is, 
This is what we need to be doing. It needs rules. If it's just yeah. blokes punching each other, that's not. There's no sport in that, and it's yeah, it's yeah, dangerous. Literally, there was no. Well, actually, there was. There was two rules: no biting, no eye gouging. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, man. you know, even if you remember the on the original rules, the yeah. referee couldn't even stop the fight. Yeah, John was the person who invented the fact or brought it. Okay, look, guys, it's <laughs> if, if I'm going to carry on doing this. I need to be able to stop the fight. Yeah. Um, but that the original, you know, the, the first UFCs, I can't remember which one it changed on, but certainly the, the inception was there was two rules. Don't bite, don't eye gouge. Yeah. The rest was fair And then game. it only stops if you're unconscious or if you tap from strikes. or Tapping tap was allowed, yeah. yeah. Like you're showing him you wanted out, but the referee was not allowed it's to... Mad, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like, as in TKO. Obviously, if, yeah. you, if you're out cold, he's stopping it. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of intelligent defence, that's where the, the, the yeah. that's where he came up with the that rule. Yeah. To be able yeah. to save a fighter from himself because their corner wasn't going to do it. No. They weren't going to do it. Their opponents weren't generally going to stop. And, and he was the guy who came out with... You know, obviously, he was part and parcel and fundamental to the evolution of the rules. He was one of the guys that sat down and, and put it together and yeah. was instrumental in writing and drafting them. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people forget that with the early UFCs. There was actually only, um, yeah, it was two rules. Don't bite. Don't, and, you, can, you can even yeah. punch in headbutts, punch in the nuts, kick yeah. <laughs> everything. Or, or even up to the days of, of Mark Coleman as as kind of a champion, his headbutts were, were what his bread and butter can, Coming and a lot of his career is 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 underhooking and headbutting. Freddie's got you yeah. down. Was legendary from from a wrestler, you know, and obviously he was in his peak then. Yeah, people like Mark Kerr as well. Yeah, a lot of people forget Mark Kerr, you know. Yeah, the original, the Smashing Machine. Yeah, you know, fighting in uh, in in early no holds barred, true no holds barred, where yeah. headbutts were allowed. You know, being on your back with a wrestler on top is bad enough. But being on your back with a wrestler on top who could headbutt you yeah. in the head and face is not a good place to be. It's mad. My route into into MMA was I was working in, in HMV and I saw a few DVDs came in at once. And it was some early-ish UFCs. It was the era of, of, of Tito v. Shamrock and then Chuck ah, okay. v. and all that. And at the same time... That's was when you the, first That's when I first it. started watching. And at the same time was the Smashing Machine. Yeah. The, documentary yeah, Mark on, Kerr, on, yeah, on, yeah. on Mark Kerr so it was that kind of what uh, what is this sport but it was very much a, a bottom shelf of the sports section and yeah. I think people don't give enough realisation to the fact that the refereeing and the rules that came in and from the referees and from John and things like that, that's really crucial to it developing as a sport and becoming a mainstream Sport, because prior to that, it had to be this. A lot of st- the states outlawed it, and all that. It was it was the rules that came in, and the referees who, as I said, forced it so that they could protect the fighters, so that it could be an athletic contest rather than a freak show. And 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 that's cru- that's crucial to, to, to the whole development of it as a, a multi billion dollar sport now. Yeah, it wasn't a sport to begin no. with. It was a spectacle, yeah, you know. Exactly. And, and the true and and the, the the true ethos of of the UFC was because of the you know the Gracies, uh, Horian and yeah. Hart, and the, that they wanted to show that um, you know the superiority of which is why Ho- Hoist wasn't the original draft. No, it was originally going to be Hickson, right? Yeah, but Hickson looked too good. 
Yeah, he was he too was, much of a muscular. Know, too much muscular. He looked the part like an Adonis. Obviously, he was at the peak of his powers. Yeah. Legendary, the best of the Gracie family to ever do it. Yeah. You know, in them times anyway. Yeah. For me now, that's passed over to Hodja. Um, yeah. But he, he had almost mythical status. So they had him and they're like, well, no, no, no. I think it's going to look right. And in they draft a young, fresh-faced horse who's like, I think, 170, something like in a few bucks, 170 pound at the time. Small, frail, frail-looking, you know. Yeah. Just, he just didn't look like your buff Adonis sportsman Completely. at all. And that's the beauty of the stock. Because even, even if people look back at the early days of UFC as this brutal blokes beating the shit out of each other, even that initial inception of it was that it's it is a beautiful motivational thing because it's saying here's a small guy here's not just some big doorman here's a small guy you've never heard of and he's going to beat that big that big muscly guy that big kickboxer that boxer that sumo wrestler whoever everyone. else he's going to beat everyone because of skill not because of being a meathead or or any of the other things that you might put upon those early days that was the whole point of it it was just to say that we've Skill and discipline. It doesn't matter about the size, and that's what it's one of the things that in them days, no, it didn't. Yeah. Now everybody's caught up, yeah. But in yeah. them days, they proved they flipped it on. Look, it was like the I'm trying to remember the um, the commentator when he said, uh, you know, fighting was is not what we thought it was. Yeah, because anybody, the layman, and that's what happened to me. Yeah, that was my that's how I got drafted back into MMA. It was like the fairy tale story. It was around about the year 2000. Yeah. Obviously, my past is, is mixed martial arts, so I've spoke about that in depth there. I won't bore you with it today. But in terms of my evolution to mixed martial arts, was it was almost, I'm a firm believer in fate. You yeah. know? I think your past laid out and, and you move left and right, and there you go. It was around about the year 2000 when I'd moved home, yeah. and uh, my next-door neighbour at the time, he was a traditional jiu-jitsu instructor. This right. is before the explosion of BJJ and yeah. MMA in the UK just around about the turn of the millennium. And uh, he approached me and he was like, you know, do you like fighting? I'm like, hey, hello, my name's Mark, you know. Yeah. But he's a wonderful guy. He, then, he, he was the person, the reason that got me back into martial arts. Oh, wow. Because I'd left martial arts and I was, you know, in the peak of going out, having a good time, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, look, look at this. And he, sh- he gave me UFC 1 two and three on yeah. VHS, you know, that's yeah. how, there yeah. was no DVDs back then. Yeah. He gave me D, uh, DV, uh, sorry, VHSs of UFC and he said, look, I'm a tradi- I have my own jiu-jitsu club, do, do you fancy coming up? And I watched it and it was the same thing. I was mesmerised. Yeah. I fell in love almost look instantly with the grappling. Yeah. And I went to, um, to join his club and never looked back since. That yeah. was reinvested in martial arts and I'd never taken a break again. And that's amazing. And that's one of the things that's key. And obviously we'll get on to what makes a good ref, what makes a good judge, what some of the restrictions and problems. But you're when you're the man in the middle of the cage conducting the ceremony as such, deciding who stops when you break, the fact that you've been in there competing yourself and competed for many years in many disciplines as well that's got to help right that's got to give you that insight that someone who's who's never had that experience can't can't have for me yes 100 percent. yeah but that's not the same as 
that, that's not an automatic rite of passage yeah. that I try to explain to people. You know, I was always, I was always a world-class referee. I just yeah. didn't know it, okay, right. yeah. without saying that. I was never a world-class fighter, okay? Right. I, I, wasn't, I wanted to be the best and I wasn't good enough. And the, the, the word that I use, and I teach the same, I was, a, you know, the, I was the official trapped in the fighter's body, not the fighter trapped in the official body. Right. I just didn't know it at the yeah. time. Yeah. And um, the word I use is acceptance. And acceptance, I think, is a quality devoid of many people, not, not yeah. just for MMA, for everything. It's not until you're forced into looking at something, you know, I'd, I'd had a great... I wouldn't swap my time in, in as a competitor for in many disciplines, you know, with jiu-jitsu, wrestling, uh, BJJ, obviously MMA. I wouldn't swap it for nothing. Yeah. But it got to the turning point when I was, you know, my journey into refereeing was completely by accident. Right. Well, almost 15 years ago, I was due to headline an event in Birmingham or just outside Birmingham, yeah. Evesham. It was in a marquee and it, it was amazing. amazing. I turned up, keeping it short, I turned up and uh, the promoter, who's a good friend of mine, still a, still a good friend of mine, owns the gym that I used to train at. Yeah. He said, the ref, one of the refs didn't turn up. Will you, will you do it? Will you ref on the day? And wow. I was like, didn't have time to think about it. Jumped in and the rest is history. Yeah. That's exactly, for me, that's why I'm a firm believer in fate, you know, yeah. and the best things happen by, I wouldn't say accident, you know, when circumstance meets. Yeah. And that's how, that's what happened to me. And I then I was that. carrying on for years as, like, I was in the middle. You know, I was still competing. I was coaching. I was a referee. Then it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm different to everybody. Yeah. I'm doing this and I'm approaching it different to everyone. And I knew that. And that's when it got to the level. That's where the acceptance comes in. Yeah. I was like, am I going to try and carry on competing as a, a mixed martial artist? No, because I'm not going to be satisfied with where I get to. Yeah. But I could see the path and the light when it came to being an official, and that's the, the route that I chose. I love that. And here we are. I, I, I love that realisation. I talk about this a lot on the podcast with 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 regards to film, because people see films or TV show and go, I'm mesmerised b- 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 by that. I want to be an actor. And what they don't realise is it might be something else in there that's their calling, but they're still mesmerised. It could be cameraman it could be sound guy it could be props it could be anything else and it's similar with mixed martial arts it's you, you knew from the first time you watched it that you were mesmerized by this that you were drawn to it that it was something you had to be involved in and then it took you a while to find what that role of involvement tr- truly was i guess i've my journey has been i've learned that my role of involvement is as a really good fan because <laughs> because my when i've trained bjj or kickboxing or come to your um the one-day course of refereeing and judging, I realised that the thing that I got the most out of it was it increased my enjoyment at the next event I'm watching because I understood better. And I think that's a thing. It happened in America from an earlier point, but it's the thing that's happening in the UK now is education being key to the growth of the sport. People understanding what they're watching, what's going on in there, from the rules point of view to the ground game had a mixing of styles how do you feel that's coming along in the UK and how have you seen it develop in in recent years because I remember going to a Bama event about uh, 10 years ago now and I was disappointed at the the quality at what was going on I'm now I've been to Bama events in the last 
three, four years, and they've been amazing. And the standard has grown hugely. So how have you seen that, and what do you feel that's attributed to? Yeah, I mean, obviously from... I'll take that one one at a time. Yeah. Obviously... I have a tendency to ramble and, th- and throw a no, lot no, no, of questions at, at you. And then, I've got, then I've got the back. picture. <laughs> and I'll, I'll drift into, you know, <laughs> I, I was just talking to, uh, yeah, as we, sorry, as we were talking off air yesterday doing my, uh, the referee and judge seminar. Yeah. And I'll talk about, obviously, MMA, we're still a young sport. Yeah. Categorically. Like it or loathe it, as we know it now, as the, 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 the general consensus, the public, call it what you like, 1993 when the UFC yeah. was born. That's how we knew MMA. Yeah. Now, all the Brazilians out there, don't shout at me, yeah. and the Japanese in there, we know that Pancras and Valley Tudor have been around for eons yeah. before that, eons. Yeah. But nobody knew. Yeah. The UFC was the birthplace of the sport as we know it now. Completely. And it's how it evolved, you know? Yeah. And if you take the fact of 1993, you're talking, what, 26? Six, yeah. what, 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 I don't know, yeah. do quick math, 25 years 25 ago. 25 years, yeah. You know, that's the, of course, because it's the UFC's yeah, 20, 25th, 25th anniversary. Yeah. yeah, as soon as you said 25th, I was like, yep, yeah, they're doing so, a lot about that. <laughs> as we know, it's 25 years old. And the sport then, to what it is now, is unrecognisable. Yeah. Because as we said, it wasn't a sport then. It was something that was manifested and put on to prove the efficiency of jiu-jitsu yeah. and to show the world and shock the world uh, exactly. Is he all right there? He's all right there, yeah. <laughs> Oh, what's his name? I should explain. Oscar. I've got Oscar beside me, an adorable little d- dog. Um, I was furious as I came in, but then I won him over quickly. So, yeah, he's fine there. He's fine there. <laughs> um, yeah, so the sport, and obviously from it being in the UK from yeah. the inception of, you know, when, when I was first involved in the sport, even fighting on the sport, you know, there was no cages. Yeah. It was tatamis and rings. Yeah. First case in the UK was 2002, I believe. Right. Um, down on the south coast in Portsmouth. But then, yeah, it's like, that's what I try and explain to people. Look, we're still building this sport. Yeah. It's still in its evolutionary stages. And you yeah. see, obviously, the birth of the IMAF and what we're doing going back, trying to lay the most solid foundation. Completely. For amateurs, that's yeah. something that will look. You know, I'll forever be that competitor. I'll forever be... I'm known as Mark the Official. That's yeah. never going to go away. But I'll also always be... I'm also the practitioner, the competitor. That, yeah. That's never going to go away. I'm invested in this sport. Yeah. Um, so the whole thing is moving together and evolving, yeah. and that's the, obviously the level of the athletes, the the uh, the officials, the refs, the judges, the knowledge and etc. of the fans. The whole thing is is moving forward yeah. together, and I've saw some pretty interesting changes. Not none more so than in the UK. Yeah, and that's it. It's it's, it's now that we're starting to see. I'd say what about a five ye- years or so in America when. A Rory McDonald came through. He was one that people would point out as one of the first that we're seeing who is coming in as a mixed martial artist, not a karate guy that's learned some wrestling, is learned as a mixed martial artist. And in the UK, we're getting it. I always felt a John Hathaway was a good example of that, of someone who'd learned, he was he was learning as a mixed martial artist. He was artist. a rugby player. Yeah. He was well, an athlete. Go. Yeah. So just has come through that. And again, it's, it's going to take that time, but the more you get that, the the better it's going to be, right? The more that is the sport rather than, well, there's not a lot of money in karate or kickboxing or Muay Thai. I'm going to go over and start doing MMA. It's like, well, no, they're coming in through that and getting that training from a young age to learn 
all angles of it, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's a very good point you made. Is now obviously with, again, the sport back in the day, we were, the crossover was there. The crossover's still there, but we, you would have boxers, wrestlers, judokas, jiu-jitsu guys moving into MMA. Yeah. Wrestlers trying to learn striking, strikers yeah. trying to learn wrestling there. Now is, you have young kids learning mixed martial arts. They're coming in as conditioned, well-rounded athletes. None more so than what you see at the IMF. Yeah. If you ever could get yourself to the IMF. Yeah. Well, the European Championships are in Romania this year. Right. So if you can find your way over, you know, yeah. obviously we'll look after you over there. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Um, get yourself over and you'll watch the level of, you know, the IMF. The Worlds last year were in Bahrain. Yeah. I think there was 280 athletes. Wow. 40-something countries. You know, you're talking, watching that is inspirational for me. Yeah. You watch the level of, of these young kids, you and know. what are the ages at the IMF? Well, there's funnily enough, this year they're going to start introducing junior 16 to 18. Great, um, whether a modified raw set or, or 80, sorry, 18 to 21. Yeah, so that you're you're not having you're not having a, a young because people mature in different ways, right? Of course, you yeah. could be having a a young, fresh-faced 18-year-old competing against a 36-year-old, yeah, growing ass. Dad strength, man. Yeah, 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 <laughs> sometimes it works, good. sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, but the age, it's over 18, obviously, because yeah. we have, you know, it's full mixed martial arts, yeah. amateur, amateur rules. But we're going to introduce a junior championships. Correct. And then a precursor to that from 16 to 18 as well with a slightly more modified rule set. Yeah. But like, pulling everything back, evolution, and you're watching some of these kids now, honestly, they're phenomenal. That, that, yeah. Like you said, they're coming in as athletes, cross-trained, conditioned athletes. Yeah. And you'll still get crossover. You know, you'll get um, you'll get the Ronda Rouseys. Yeah. And you'll get the boxers and the people coming from all the, the, all the Jordan Burroughs. A Wonder Boy or, or any of these people who are coming from a specific discipline. It's what makes it exciting in the cycle because there was a point, say, six or seven years ago where it looked like wrestlers are with heavy hands. That's the future of MMA. If if you can wrestle, you can keep people down, but you can you can sw- swing as well. That that's the future. And just as that started to come in, you, you had a Machida turn up and start going. Oh, Flip I just I just do karate. I just avoid people. I remember yeah. the first few matches I watched of Machida, people were booing him because they felt he was just avoiding a fight. It's like no, he was he's a counter striker. He was getting out of the way of, of strikes. And, as soon as people understood that, it was the most exciting to watch. It was engaging. It's, it's similar with the Wonder Boy and Woodley fights that people talk of in hindsight as boring. At the time, if you know that one of the guys is Wonder Boy and that his whole game is to not get hit and then Can't catch you, you're on the edge of your seat. Obviously, if you now know the result and it goes to a decision, then you've not got that edge of your seat moment. But that's the beauty of the sport is... Even if you've got a complete mixed martial artist like Rory McDonald, you put him in with one of the reasonably early guys like Robbie Lawler, who's just a, a, a savage, and and you see who wins there. You see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there things move in cycles. Yeah, you know, obviously the the birth it was jujitsu. Everybody yeah. went mad for jujitsu. Yeah. Then wrestlers caught up with jiu-jitsu. Wrestlers learned a little bit of submission defense. Then they become formidable because they yeah. would take you down, sit in your guard and ground and pound you yeah. without being submitted. Yeah. Then it would move on to more. Then you get wrestlers developing strikers, uh, developing as strikers, people who were 
you know, very good wrestlers who could, like Chuck Liddell, yeah. who couldn't be took down. So yeah. you can't take him down to submit him. You can't take him down there. And in the, and in the process of doing so, you were getting knocked out. It's an amazing a, a, a tactic of having that great takedown defence but knockout power. I was, I was listening Not having to, to, use it. to Ben Askren recently and he was saying when he came over f- from wrestling and he was the Bellator champ and the 1FC champ and all this, he came over and went, right, I'm not going to get to the level of a high-level striker. So there's no point in me really learning Correct. that much striking. What there is point in me learning is not getting hit, striking to not get hit. So avoiding getting touched but still having my wrestling. And he's undefeated in his whole career. He's just retired tentatively, um, undefeated. And it was amazing hearing him in, his, in, in last year. He had t- t- two title defences, which I assume are five rounders. And he didn't get hit once. Yeah. You're like, that's good mixed martial arts. It might not be the most exciting for your uneducated fan who's turning up just wanting to see people punch, but that's amazing to see. It's like the Mayweather thing. It's kind of, he's not a knockout artist, but he's amazing at not taking damage. That should be exciting as well. You see, the thing for me as a martial artist, I love Ben Askren. Yeah. I can appreciate Same. Ben Askren. I also love Justin Gaethje yeah. and Dustin Poirier. Yeah. I can appreciate all facets. I love a slugfest. Who doesn't? Yeah, of course. But I can also, and, and this is the difference is obviously the fans, you know, inverted commas, without painting them all with the same brush, you know, a lot of them, they're not mixed martial artists. They're yeah. not martial artists. They're, they're, you know, they pay with their, they part with their hard-earned money to be entertained. Of course. And yes, fighting is in the entertainment business. But when I watch Ben Askren do what he does, mm. I'm being gloriously entertained yeah. because the, 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 you know, the technician and the martial artist in me, I'm in full appreciation. Uh, Damien Meyer, yeah. you know, you're watching somebody like him, an absolute um, masterful. And my first UFC event was in London when Meyer flipped and landed essentially in a mounted triangle on Sonnen. Yeah. And from then on, I was just obsessed with this, this yeah. Damien Meyer guy. And he was always on the precipice of, of of greatness but again it comes down there to it, enjoyment in education um and but the beauty of someone like Gaethje is he can give that enjoyment to both sides of the crowd the the, the non-educated in the sport can just watch this slugger the educated can go well actually he covers up well and presents the top of his head so yeah. he's actually got a quite a tactical he rolls he rolls off the punches so he's quite technical and tactical he as is. well if, if 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 you know what you're looking for if you don't that's just a bloke who goes in and goes, let's fight. But if, you, if you've got that, you can go, right, yeah, he's presenting the top of his head, he's, he's covering up well, he's moving his shoulders, he's rolling, his movement's good, his footwork's good, and leg kicks from, in, from the inside, from knock distance, is, is just unusual and deadly and brutal to watch. But I guess that's the advantage of a fighter like him because the technical fans can enjoy it and the guy who's just got him from the pub and turned the TV on can get equally the enjoyment. You know, and, and this is a thing that people that, you know, Justin Gaethje is yeah. also a Division One wrestler. Yeah. If he wanted to take you down, he would, and you're not yeah. going to stop it. But he chooses to fight like he does. It's, it's a bit heartbreaking, isn't it, as, 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 as well? I mean, I should mention that we're recording this just after the Poirier and Gaethje fight, which is yeah. a fight of the year contender I saw already. the finish. I saw, like, a highlights yeah. package of it. And but just the... the the fact that he got rocked, and you, again, you're thinking he's a Division One wrestler; he, he can do this. And as he staggers back, he just gives a little come on to, yeah. to, 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 to fight and calls him on to scrap more. It's like 
waves him in. I wish you'd just kind of gone for a takedown, calmed it down. But yeah, it's the beauty of that mentality of that he's his point is I'm here to enjoy myself. Yeah, and you know, people <laughs> obviously look. You this is the adage of MMA. You can't please even when he fights like that. Yeah. People are amazing, mate. And then you'll get those, oh, well, he's not going to be around for long. You know, I'm like, yeah. come on, like, give the guy a break. The yeah. guy's an absolute, you know, the, uh, he's, he's not going to, you know, worry about his brain health. This, that, Okay, fair enough. I get what yeah. you're saying, yeah. you know. Some people, it just shows you the adage of MMA, you can't win. Yeah. You get a guy who's prepared to walk in, fight. Like, you remember his first fight with Michael Johnson? Yeah. I was there in Vegas yeah. watching that live. Amazing. You know, everybody knows what you're going to get. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's just it's a he, he is, you know, he he delivers yeah without a shadow of a doubt. I think so one of the keys that the keys of refereeing in mixed martial arts and again, people who haven't watched it will think of it as this dangerous and brutal sport. And one of the keys is that that referee's responsibility to protect the fighter. So it doesn't have to be a knockdown and the gate stoppage he wasn't knocked out. He wasn't, you know, he was still moving. They didn't give him an eight count. It's not boxing. The ref stopped because he was beaten. You know, it was over. He, he had to protect him. And that's that's one of the, the things that I think gets overlooked from the outside is in boxing, they'll generally let things go until someone's knocked down. And even then, you've got a little bit of time to get up and recover again and potentially have another concussion or, or beating or whatever else. Whereas... In mixed martial arts, it is your job as a ref to go, he's done now, you know. Um, was it you, the ref? No, I can't remember who it was. Um, I remember a fight where F- 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 Faber lost and he got annoyed because he said he'd given a thumbs up. But the ref said... "But It was Herb. Yeah, it was Herb, it was, but he, it was he wasn't intentionally defending. So he's got to protect him. And again, a fighter is a fighter. He's going to go, I'm fine. But if you're not able to defend yourself and you're just getting punched, that's the ref's... The, Decision. It's one that people got angry about and said it was an unfair stoppage. It wasn't. It was completely right. The ref is going, I don't care what you say. And I've seen you numerous times say, stop talking to me and concentrate on the fight. If fighters are saying, I'm all right on this, let go. Don't I don't want a conversation with you. Concentrate yeah. on what's happening here. And if I feel it's done, it's done. <laughs> you know? That fight was against Hen and Barrow. That's right. And, yeah. Her- and Herb was the ref. And, and he copped flack for that, yeah. you know, as we always do. Yeah. And look, you know, you were talking about, you made a, a point there about, about recognition. And here's yeah. the thing, you know, we, we have a, this kind of an unwritten rule as referees that we don't pull each other in front of the bus or do yeah. that. And, and that's, that's fine, you know. But, you know, start uh, talking about us being criticised. As a referee, you're damned if you do. Yeah. And you're damned if you don't. Of course. That is a fact. Yeah. Now, nobody is a bigger critic of me than me. Yeah. I've literally beat myself up, you know, when I... There's a huge difference between... I've had some fights where I've watched and I've thought I could have acted sooner. Right. I, I vilified myself on social media. There was a fight with Danny Roberts and Mike Perry mm-hmm. a year and a half ago yeah. in Manchester uh, when Bisping fought uh, Henderson, the yeah. rematch. And I, that was a classic one. I saw he was getting beat up. He got knocked down on his feet. And as he went down, I saw his right hand come up, thinking, you know, wrongly at the time, interpreting, shit, Danny's still there. I go to move in. Mike puts his hand, puts one, two, puts another two shot. Then I realised Bummy's out. He's gone, you had yeah. no idea what I'd done to myself for that. Yeah. For two shots, 
Okay? Yeah. I'm constantly crit- critiquing myself. Yeah. However, what you will never see me do, what you will never find me do, mm-hmm. and this is the difference where I get upset, is the that's a split second, you know. I've got to make that determination. A sec- and I'm a human being, yeah. you know. Let's talk about the, it's about retention rate, you know. Yeah. Of 100%. Find the percentage of, fights that I'm doing where I'm thinking, you know, I could have acted sooner. And yeah. Generally, it's one or two points. Where I have the huge trouble is in so-called referees or officials who are watching a prolonged or a sustained beating yeah. and not having the ability to recognise that a fighter is either hurt, outgunned, that match, that class. You know, I wrote a very... It was a well-received article and I wrote it for IMAF. Yeah. I was talking about standing. I've stopped a UFC championship contest standing yeah. because it became too one-sided. Yeah. You know, you give all the, the, the audible warnings to say, look, you've got to try and talk to them in between yeah. rounds. You've got to show me something. That's the difference. It's the recognition of being able to notice and understand when a fighter is hurt yeah. out of the depth, out of there, you know, and what am I waiting for? I don't yeah. need a kill shot. I don't need you unconscious on the floor, completely out of it, for me to step in and, 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 and take the responsibility away from you, put it with me and say, look, I've seen enough, you know? Yeah, and that's perfect. And that's exactly it. I think I, I completely agree. I think in general, if it's a decision that's a split second in the moment thing, I don't think anyone has got any right to question Cut the man who was right there in that moment, yeah. who was doing his best in that moment. I always... One that people got very angry about was I, I think it was was Mario Ayamasaki with the um, the Kevin Lee and and, and and Kiesa submission where he thought Kiesa was out and he wasn't. I thought he was out as well. I would have done exactly like you. You saw him kind of go. You saw his shoulders drop, and it's like, well, that's that. In hindsight, yeah, he, he wasn't out. You'd argue he was about to go out. It's it, it, it's not far, but. I can't get mad at him for that because in that moment as a fan watching, not even as the guy right there, I saw the same as he saw, despite him being a ref that gets a lot of stick and sometimes, in my opinion as a fan, understandably and rightfully. But, Agreed. But but in that situation, it's like, mate, I saw the same as he saw. I can't get mad at that. Me too. Yeah. And I agree, you know. And here's the thing, obviously Mario's had a, couple of nightmares and yeah. and this is a thing because that's know. it he's had some some ones as well where it is a prolonged beating and that's where you could I can say that's not good referee yeah. and that's not judgment yes correct yes and yeah. I'll agree you know and I, I, I was in Brazil yeah with Mario that was this year yeah with the um, uh, Valentina Shevchenko yeah. fight uh, I forget the name of her opponent yeah um, where, where she did take a you know way too much know, it was but here's the point that I yeah. keep making about Yes, the overriding responsibility, 100%, stays with us. Yeah. Us. Yeah. You also have corners and coaches with the ability to stop the fight too. Yeah. And like I said, I would, I've never had the t- towel thrown in on me ever yeah. in my career as a referee. I'd almost be embarrassed if I did, yeah. you know. Um, but, it, but if I did, if, if, you know, it's, again, talking about that difference between recognition of mm. where the fight is at that point, what the fighters took on board, and nothing's going to change. Yeah. 
having the ability to make, you know, you're standing looking. It's one thing jumping in to stop a fight, one or two punches, you know, to the left, to the right, cut me some slack, you know. But when you're standing looking at something happening over 10, 20, 30, 40, sometimes minutes, the whole round, that's when it's like, you know, come on, you've, you've... and the advice I gave, I spoke to Mario about it afterwards and, um, you know, he's a friend of mine and, yeah. you know, I like him and I hope he'll go off and, and learn and do better. And he was saying, well, you know, she's defending. I'm like, Mario, no. You know, there's, there comes a point in a fight when, again, it comes down to the ability of the referee yeah. to notice when it switches from defending to surviving. Yeah, 100%. Def- defending means I have the ability at any point to launch a counter-attack, come back with something. Yeah. Then you'll switch when it comes to pure survival, when I'm covering up and I'm absorbing everything you throw at me in the hope that something happens or somebody stops or the the fight gets stopped. Yeah. It's that ability to defending switches to survival. Yeah. That's when we've got to act. And, and, And two things that come to mind there as well. Number one... It's only in recent years, I think, that the, the corners have been allowed to throw in the towel. Originally, again, it was 100% on the ref. Therefore, it's even more, if they're throwing in the towel, then you're probably not doing your job well. If they can see from out there that it needs to be stopped, then that's, that's something that you should have already done, as, 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 as you said. It used to be a foul. It used yeah. to be a listed foul, thrown, but that was thrown out. It was removed. Yeah. Uh, 2000 and, um, poor, maybe 2007, 2008, yeah. it, was, it was removed. Um, Nevada still had it in. Certain right. states still have it in because what they don't want is they're saying that anybody could throw a towel in. You're thinking boxing as well, you know. Yeah. A towel could come from anywhere. And yeah. once the ref stops the fight, you can't go back. Yeah, yeah. There's not, course, oh, yeah. shit, sorry, it wasn't your towel. Yeah. Okay, let's restart. You cannot do that. Yeah. So obviously the, the gravity of the of keeping a tight control over the fact that you shouldn't throw in a towel. And yeah. people talking about there could be debris, it come from the corner, uh, sorry, from the crowd. And, Forget all that nonsense. Yeah. The, the main thing here is two things. One is me as a referee personally, if a towel came in on me, I'd, I'd, I'd be asking serious questions of myself. Yeah, of unless there was, yeah, unless there was an injury that the, the court... That's happened to me before a towel's come in, but we spoke about it beforehand. They yeah. knew the fighter. It was... Um, They've known that there's a... Yes. Injury there Cameron already. Cameron said, Mark, if you're going to... He said, I'm going to throw the towel in. I was yeah. like, okay. I think it was um, uh, Jay Mills and uh, it was in Ireland, Cage Warriors yeah. in Ireland. Um, Carl Pendred. I'm right. pretty sure that was the fight. Yeah. Jay had an injury. Obviously, I didn't know. Then they disclosed it to me. Yeah. He got taken down again. Anyway, so the towel came in and we knew. Yeah. But in normal circumstances, it used to be a foul. Then they realised, hang on, man, that's ridiculous. You yeah. cannot deprive a coach or a corner, the ability to remove his fighter from a contest that he thinks is being one-sided or he's injured or he's hurt. That's why it was removed as a foul. Yeah. The ability should be there, and rightly so, for yeah. the corner to be able to stop the fight. Completely. But again, it's, it, it's great that you see in m- m- modern mixed martial, arts, m- mixed martial arts now, you see that from the good gyms, you see them... St- stopping the fight in between rounds and stuff like that. There's been a fair few in the UFC of recent years where they've gone, he's done, he's done, let's stop it. And that's what it should be. It shouldn't be go go out on your shield or anything like that. It's like, no, just you're an athlete and a professional. You're not just scrapping in a car park. So I love that when the corners are protecting it. Is there, 
Is there anything that you, as a ref, change depending on the fighter? If It, it comes to mind because of Gaethje and Poirier, where people know that Gaethje is going to go out there and get hit a bit and take a bit of a beating. Do you keep that in mind or do you have to go, no, regardless of anything? It's a, it's a very common question. Yeah. You know, and it's something that I have to drill into. I was covering it just at the weekend because this is where inexperienced or incompetent, if you like, officials will make the... Uh, the mistake. Yeah. And I talked to them after. I was like, why did, well, I know he's tough. And I'm like, you fucking, what? What do you yeah. mean you know he's tough? It drives me insane. When, as a referee, the same as a judge, when two fighters walk into the cage, everything is irrelevant. Yeah. History, what, who the fought, what they do. That's perfect. It's irrelevant. I have a blank canvas. Yeah. I have a blank. I cannot take into consideration what I think of him what other people think of him, or, or his past ability to take a, a shot. Great, a great example here. I, I argued with all my mates about this at the time because I thought the stoppage was absolutely correct, but um, a Brad Pickett's a last fight, where people were saying, yeah, but it's his last fight, he can take us punch, all that. It's like, cool, it's his last fight. Bro, let's, let's let him go into retirement able to talk. Yes. And alive and things like that, rather than... Well, not having a broken jaw. Just give him a little bit longer. He could have. He could have caught. It's like no. It's it's irrelevant. It's you can't. If your job is, if your sole job is to protect the fighter, because it is the the judge's job is to score the fight and so on and so forth. The fighter's job is to win the fight, but your sole job really is to protect the fighters. You can't go. Oh come on! It's his last last fight. Let's give him a few more. Just for seconds, to make sure. just in case. Yeah. Like, no, you 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 stop it when it's over. It's, it's simple as that. That's like a common fallacy. Yeah. You know, people, that, that is one, you know, people will assume they go, you know, it's Vandalay or it's Justin yeah. Gaethje or it's Eddie or, you know, or Nate Diaz, you know, yeah. they can take a shot. Yes. And all he has to do is prove to me he can take a shot at that time and that round as the fight goes on. Yeah. I don't care what happened in a previous fight. We have no preconceptions, no ideas, nothing. The mind is empty. Yeah. And you can only deal as a referee as what's presented in front of you and their reaction to that. It it makes me think as well. So I I came on uh, when you were doing the day courses of the referee and and judging calls. Learnt loads, absolutely adored it. Got joint top marks at the end. Uh, Just need to put that in there. And and the guy I was joined with is a professional referee. So, you know, I was quite quite proud. There you go. Um, But um, one of the great points you made is... And it makes me think of the danger of misinformation from from commentators or from podcasts or from anything else. And one of the ones that you highlighted was everyone talking about damage and damage n- not being part of the scoring criterion. It's changed a, li- a little bit in the new criteria. It's not damage, but but activity or something like that is is impact, is impact has been yeah. added in there. But the the perfect example you gave was a, a, you could spend a whole round smacking Dan Henson in the face yeah. with a fire hydrant and a fire extinguisher, it wouldn't show. Whereas Marcus Davis, for example, you, you, yeah. get, you get a glancing blow and he'll be bleeding and swollen. So damage, people will always argue when a score goes oh, the, the way they didn't agree. They go, well, look at his face. Look, yeah. he's taken a beat. And it's like, but that's not part of scoring, right? That's not part of, of the sport. No, generally... You see, the word damage, it used to be there. Yeah. Uh, but then they changed it and they they replaced it with the word effective. 
you think of the word damage is way too onerous. Yeah. You know, if you ever actually wrote down damage, what brain damage or that, yeah. it's yeah. a bit too. Kind of you know, in yeah, your it's rules, not. In your... The purpose is to damage you. That now yeah. everybody knows it's a fight, and that's it. Damage is a byproduct of being effective. Sure. Perfect. So it was replaced with the word effective, and you would always have effective striking, effective grappling. What you were talking about there was the visual aspect of yeah. a fighter. Yeah. Now sometimes a fighter who looks like he's been run over. Yeah. may have been run over and, and he did lose the fight, but it's not always the case, you know? Mm. Um, a, a great fight to watch for that reason would be Anderson Silva and Michael Bisping. Yeah. Now, at the end of the fight, uh, Michael looked uh, like he'd been attacked by several people, yeah. not just one, yeah. but he won that fight. Yeah. And he won that fight fair and square. Yeah. No, no matter what people say, no matter what people think, go back, I'll use it in a training um, uh, uh, seminars too to people forget a, round, a, a fight is made up of three separate fights yeah. or five separate fights yeah. each one once that score is given for that round that's it it's done it's given you know yeah. we're not looking it's not pride and but that's key that's one of the again the, the greatest arguments I have now is people and it happened with um, JJ and Rose a little bit recently where people were saying I thought by the end JJ at one. It's like no, but Doesn't you're matter. submitting scores each round. Correct. I scored it. A slight win in round one and two for Rose. Slight. A bigger win in rounds three and four to JJ. But that's irrelevant. It's still that's two rounds each. So the then it goes into the fifth round. They've Correct. gone. It's not going well. As we're going into the fifth, JJ's in the lead. It's like no, sh- you can. And again, when people say, "Oh, that was a that was never a." Um, a thirty twenty seven. That was was really close. It's like thirty twenty seven can be should have been three a split. She's close. That yeah. can be. You could win each of those rounds by one punch, and that's it. That's still a close fight. It's still on the rounds. It's not. It's not a score on the whole fight. Fighters get because on paper thirty twenty seven sounds bad. Yeah. What would you mean? I lost all three rounds. Well, yeah, you did. But yeah. they could have been the razor thin. Been close. They could have been thin. Yeah. And on paper, I get it. You know, they say, what would you rather have, 29, 28? Would that make you feel better? Yeah. You know, the fact that they see that potentially they've lost the fight and they've lost all three rounds, it yeah. doesn't tell the story. Yeah. It just tells the end result that those three rounds and could that's, have... And that's the problem with all the stats, all the fight stats as well. All sometimes these strikes, they work. Like, sometimes what does it they matter don't. how many strikes versus... It depends on, again, you're scoring that that round and that yeah. and those moments and the aesthetic as well we're talking yeah. about damage yeah you know that word it's still a training aid it's a training you know because effectively that's what we're looking for yeah you know the the, the aim of the game in MMA is to go in and stop your opponent yeah by the means necessarily available to you or within the confines of the rules yeah and as I'm inflicting effective striking and effective grappling you know that power bar like a video game is going down yeah and the 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 job of a judge is to assess exactly what proportion of that is attributed to either fighter in in any given round and give his scores accordingly yeah. based upon the criteria available, which is wildly misunderstood as well. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think can be done to improve the judging in MMA? Because again, I think at the high levels in UFC, in Bellator, in Bamber, in all of these, the referee and I generally see is good. Again, it's the same as you were saying about how you'll have numerous fights that go great and you'll have that one one second thing you thought you could have done better. It's not a true picture of the overall. the same with MMA. You'll have a few instances of Mario, a few bits where they think her didn't get it right, all debatable, and you'll forget that there was 
12 fights that night and they were all officiated perfectly. But the thing that does keep coming up is the judging. And a lot of the judges have come over from years of judging in boxing, which is a completely different scoring criteria. It is still 10-point must, but it's a completely different kind of, of, of setup there. So how do you think the judging can be improved or what do you think the, the future is there of, of bringing it up to a level? Again, it's evolution. Yeah. At the moment, it's making sure that the judges become versed and educated in the sport they're professing to operate in. And that should be the key rather than... And again, I, I'm, I'm a, a Dana White fan. People love and hate him. I'm a fan, but... I, it infuriates me his almost catchphrase of "Don't leave it to the judges." He's that, a promoter. That that shouldn't be the outlook. The the outlook should be let's make the judges better, so we can rather than oh you got screwed. Well, you shouldn't have left it yeah. to the judges. It should be well, no. Let's let's do what we can. And I'm, again, it's commissions, but surely there's something that could be done to. You should be focusing on raising the quality of the judges rather than going. Well, I told you so. Told you so. Yeah, it does. It hurts me, you know, because look, look that, that's there are officials out there, there are referees and judges in all parts of the world that shouldn't be doing the job. They're not fit for purpose. That is a fact. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, it's like everything else. When I was talking earlier about evolution and the growth of the sport, that's a vested interest in me and yeah. what I do with the IMAF is yeah. to make sure that the officials coming through they yeah. also learn and evolve. Yeah, that's great. It's education is number one. And you're always going to get people who slip through the net. Of course. You'll get a lot of, you know, I told you so and, you know, I know this. It's funny, I'll go to certain countries and certain parts of the world to do a seminar. And I've actually had, whether it's a a slight on the English understanding, but people go, yeah, I know everything. I'm like, really? Wow. Maybe you could teach me something because I don't. You know, I've been in MMA, you know, 18, 19 years deep, yeah. 15 years as an official, I'm yeah. still learning every day yeah. and I'm learning how to improve and get better. And yet here you are telling me, yeah, I know everything. Yeah. I've been reffing for 10 years, maybe so, but you still fucking suck. Yeah, you're you still know? bad. <laughs> you're still bad because people yeah. haven't, and sometimes in, in various parts of the world with cultures, etc. because I've never had anybody sit down, explain, assess, and move forward with them, mm. give them a learning, a, a progressive pathway. Um, and, and that's what's important, you know. Yeah. Like I said, as you see the athletes get better, you know, the, the, it's, the same for, yeah. it's the same for the officials. It's, I mean, it's exactly the same. It's, it, it's the wrestling outlook of you should have, you know, um, a student attitude in the gym and a, a pro's attitude attitude in in the actual match i want any ref who's in the cage i want him to be confident i want him to think he knows it all because i don't want him going oh should i yeah Yeah. but outside of that you should always be learning and improving and getting better the confidence is great in that moment because again i think confidence is key i think one of the reasons a lot of your calls are so good is you're swift and confident in the moment here's what has to be done i'm I'm stopping there's no second guessing yourself or is that, oh, it's just, no, here's what it is. Yeah. It's done, it's happened, you know. And that's key for safety in the moment. But, as I said, outside the moment, you should always be learning and assessing and improving. Yeah, you're quite right. You know, for me, it's, I have that confidence, I have that presence, and yeah. I have that assertion as a referee. Why? Because I know, I know my fucking game. Yeah. <laughs> I know my game inside and out. And, People talk to me, when I referee, 
what you're getting is, for me, perfection doesn't, what separates me or what I like to do to keep myself on top is, you know, I don't know it all yeah. and I'm not perfect. Yeah. But I'm always trying to be. Yeah. I chase perfection. So every time I'm in, I'm in yeah. that, uh, you know, every time I'll come out of the, of a match and go, you know what? That was ideal. Yeah. Not perfect. Yeah. That was ideal. Yeah. I know perfection is a, a is a never ending goal. Yeah. But I'll keep trying to be. Yeah, and that's, that's what great. keeps me on my toes. Yeah. I will give those fighters, you know, it, it is, it's so warming when I go to different countries and you see fighters and they're like, are you reffing? Oh. And, and they're, you know, in the UFC and Bellator, it, it's a very nice, but, Hey, hey, you know, guess what? That took me fucking 15 years to get there. Yeah, completely. And it's taking consistency and performance and, you know, and like you said with the referees, yeah, having the ability to, A, understand what you're doing. I mean, my my mind works in a very almost, <laughs> as a referee, it's almost in an autistic fashion. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, That's what separates me. It works great for me. Yeah. I'll walk into a venue, I'll look around, I'll go, Within 10 seconds, I'll spot everything that's wrong. Yeah. It's both a blessing and a curse. Yeah. It's yeah, good yeah, because yeah. I notice things that need to be fixed, but it's also a curse because I know once I've saw them, I can't ignore it. Yeah. And if I see anything, apart from stating the obvious, a, a little altercation we had, if I see something outside of the cage, it's not... When I'm refereeing, I'm so serious and yeah. I'm passionate. I'm in the moment. It's all about, for me, the fairness and giving the, those two fighters the best of what they deserve at that time. Yeah. If anything potentially gets in the way of that, uh, I have to act. I feel compelled to act, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting one. Well, there's there's three or four more things. I've, I've got a whole list of notes I wanted to go through. And it's always a sign of a good podcast. I've hardly looked at my notes because we're just getting Listening. into it. But one thing that we have to discuss, there's two technical things I want to get into. But before we yep. get to that... Let's talk about Conor McGregor. Obviously, he's just had gone even further past the limits of what's acceptable and no one really knows what is ahead for him. But the reason I feel it's an important one to talk about is the first time... I've, I've been a Conor fan for a long time. I'd forgive him of a lot of things. The first time I felt he's gone too far and he's off on the rail is when he jumped in the cage at a... a a Bellator event, I think it was in Ireland. In Dublin, yeah. In Dublin, and yeah. you, you were refereeing, he wasn't in the match, and there was a confrontation. You kind of got him away from the fight because he shouldn't have been, you hadn't officially stopped the fight yet. Correct. You, you went on to ad- ad- address it amazingly on social media in a, a, a long, articulate, and reasoned, not lashing out in any way or having a go at anyone, but a reasoned explanation on Facebook of what happened. So, what do you feel about the kind of. The, the current state of Conor McGregor, I guess. Um, I think ultimately it's, you know, I I don't feel bad for him. Yeah. Uh, because I'm a believer in, you know, you make your own choices. Sure. Uh, and you make your own way. Um, but the whole thing with Conor, you know, it, me on a personal front, it made me sad. Yeah. I wasn't angry. Yeah. I was, I was a little bit of anger afterwards thinking, you know, fucking, how dare you? Um, you know where I'm from if I have a problem with somebody come and see me yeah. you know you'll deal with things in man to man and yeah. but I was really sad afterwards and I was sad for a couple of reasons one was I thought he respected me because yeah. I've watched kind of grow up from a, a, a young fresh faced kid I've known John Kavanagh for 
he's coached for obviously 18, almost 20 years, yeah. arguably. Um, I've refed him in the past, all these things. I've spoke really well of him on social media. The yeah. first time he lost to Nate Diaz and everybody, you know, as they do, they come out the woodwork. Yeah, and I went on social media to give a different slant on things, saying, hey, I told the story about when he won, he, he beat a fighter of mine back in the day when yeah. I retired from coaching. And it was quite a good story. I'll save it for a book of memoirs. Sure. It was a good story. <laughs> I went into the... It was just me and him yeah. in this dressing room and I went in to tell the story of, you know, guys, sometimes what you see on the outside is not what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, cut him some slack. And then with um, the, the the Mayweather thing, you know, I was excited about that. I spoke, again, spoke well of him on social media yeah. and I thought we were cool. I genuinely did. Yeah. Um, I used to see him at UFC events. He'd embrace me. Mark, yeah. how you do? You know, because we've known each other for so long. Yeah. Everything was great. And then it all took a turn for the worse prior to Dublin when he was in Poland yeah. with when I had to stop the fight, go back to what I was saying earlier. Yeah. I ain't that guy. I ain't that guy who will, if you're doing something that's detracting from what I'm trying to do yeah. or detracting potentially from what two fighters are doing, you bet your ass to a barn door, I'm not going to ignore it. Yeah. Ask anybody about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may not like me. You may know that tough shit. I'm not here to be liked. I will take respect over liked any other day. Sure. I would far rather be known for the guy who done it right than the guy who was, you know, wanted to be everybody's pal. Yeah. And that's what happened. It all kind of stemmed from me having to act in Poland because what he was doing there was wholly unacceptable. Yeah. It wasn't correct and it wasn't right. And, and, w- and what was the Poland instance? When he, remind me, he, jump my memory. Artem was fighting Andre Feely and, and Connor was there with a few of his, just to support yeah. Artem, yeah. his friend and yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But he was walking around the cage and yeah. rocking up at the side of the cage. And, and I, he, it, it wasn't a listed corner uh, man or anything like that. And I've done very, this for years, yeah. but I've done this for years. I've done it. Yeah. I don't give a shit who you are, where you are. I've yeah. proved it. I've done it. I've sent... I remember George St. Pierre when, when Tom Watson was fighting. Yeah. Jude Samuel tell you the story. Yeah. I walk over. George was the biggest. George is an absolute class act yeah. and a class human being. But it was unliced people in the corner. And it was in Birmingham. I walk over to Jude. I'm going, Jude, ask him to leave or send to George. I said to him, four people, one of you, you've got to go. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, yeah, he did. It doesn't. I, I have so many instances of doing this. Yeah. For year, I've always been the same. Yeah. I was the only guy doing it in the UK. Yeah. People go, it's not my job. And yeah, it is your job as a referee. Yeah. It is your job when potentially somebody could be, you know, adversely affected. Or uh, Look, I'm just a procedure-driven animal. Yeah. You know, exactly. yeah. if I like everything to be, I am a bit of a control freak. Yeah. I know I am, but that's yeah. what stands me in good stead to do the job I'm doing. I just want everything correct and proper and fair and we'll get along like a house yeah. on fire. So from in Poland, when I had to stop the fight to say, Connor, come on, you, you can hear me on the oh, oh, You could yeah. hear the disappointment. Yeah, Connor, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Sit down, just be a professional, sit down. Yeah. And of course, it just it went from there. And what happened in Dublin happened. I was very sad. I sat on it for a while. I didn't say anything. I let him speak first. But again, even in the moment, it was controlled and dealt with. I think so. As consummate. Yeah. A professional, you were calm, even when he's getting up in your face, you're focusing on dealing with the two fighters involved, making sure everyone's Try, okay, deciding to, when yeah. it's stopped, deciding what's going on, rather than this guy who's squaring up to you. You know, that that takes a lot to 
to not react to that. Because again, in another way, he's he's a lot smaller than you. So it's it's, <laughs> it's not like it's one of them where you're you're running off scared. You're a big dude and you're a professional f- a martial artist. So it's not it it showed great restraint and and focus. I guess is the key there to go. Yeah. I don't care if this is is Conor McGregor or some bloke from the mm-hmm. crowd. I care about the two fighters. What was happening and their safety. Yeah. And like you said, you know, the statement I put out, I slept on it for a few days. Yeah, which is always best. Again, a bit 100%. of jump time is I didn't want to go key. emotionally. Yeah. I wanted to go factually. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he put something out on social media that quickly got taken down. Yeah, yeah. Then he put out his official statement, that, you know, and, and here's the point, what I said, was I let all that happen, I let it all pass, and I gave my factual side. Yeah. And my opinion doesn't change. Not that I ever will now, but I would. If I would referee Conor McGregor tonight, tomorrow, and he would have the same level of impartiality and professionalism yeah. that everybody knows me for. Yeah. And the reason that, you know, like I said, the overriding feeling is I was genuinely hurt because I thought we were cool. And, yeah. you know, I knew Conor when he was nothing, had nothing. And well, the well, difference... That's yeah, that's what's quite strange is the people I know who, who know Conor or have known Conor always describe him as... Almost a shy guy, yeah. you know, quite quiet, quite humble. And it was my belief up until Dublin that, you know, he's selling fights. He's, 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 he knows how to sell fights, he's working this. And that was one where it's like, right, this isn't a fight you're involved in at all. And obviously that went over the top in, in New York where it was a complete card, a rip to shreds because of, of, of something he isn't involved with at all. And, yeah, it's funny you're saying. I'll just I'll close on that point. What I was saying, you know, kind of the the let's not get away from the fact he's he's an unbelievable, un, unbe- unbelievably gifted fighter, 100%. dangerous fighter, you know, two weight world champ, yeah. twice over in two organisations, yeah. all of those things that people love. Then he became this showman and that. And, you know, it was, I was a fan of that. I loved that, I you know, because it. it was there and it's made him, look, it's made him an incredibly wealthy man, yeah. coupled with everything done. Good luck to him, you know, fantastic. But I think it was almost like what happened is the character he created and the reality of where he was, I think the line got blurred somewhere. Yeah. And like I said, look, ultimately, like, I, you know, it made me sad. Yeah, that my overriding feeling was one of sadness. So I, yeah. w- I was hurt by it because, you know, when he was nothing or had nothing, uh, the difference for me is I respected him all the same then. Yeah, um, uh, as I did uh, at that time, and it, it wasn't reciprocated. But it is what it is, man. You know, as I could have made a lot of money from that. Yeah, I, I got offered like ridiculous. Right. You know, there was CNN, T- TMZ, BBC. Oh, really? yeah. oh man, it was crazy. He's the most, one of the most famous sportsmen yeah, on the planet. And I was like, no, didn't speak to one single media outlet. I wanted to wait, bide my time, let the dust settle, and I gave it in my own true words on my own social media. Yeah. And everybody picked up, but it's been in Ghana. I just hope they can, I just hope that he can get back to, you know, doing what he's known for best. Yeah. And uh, the rest of it is. It's just frankly none of my business. Completely, and as I said, that was it. It it was it was that moment that made me think. Right, he's not had any backlash from that, so why would he now hold back on anything? That's Do you know the what I mean? It was that thing. It was like you've not 
slapped him on the wrist. It was the first one, the one with Artem fighting. Well, he's at a UFC event. Maybe he's trying to get a bit of this and that, a bit of bravado, a promo. This this wasn't at his own event. It wasn't at, you know, all these different things. Like, that's out, that, for me, was where he needed someone, a commission, the UFC, whoever, to slap him on the wrist and go, that's not, you can't do that. Yeah. And no one did. And then there's outrage, quite rightfully, at what then happened in New York. But it's a natural progression there. And again, that's not excusing any of it. I think it's, for me, I've said this to mates of mine, I'm, I, I can't think of it, ever I've said it on here, I've lost interest in Connor now. And it's sad, because I've followed him for a long time too, but I'm not interested anymore. It's not my thing. And that's, that, that's not me trying to call for people to boycott, and it's not me thinking... Connor is going to have any concern over that, but I'm not interested anymore because it's just gone. It's gone too far beyond it. Yeah. Yeah. But let's get back to some some a uh, 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 and stuff. A couple of things on that I enjoyed on the course, which again I recommend your seminars and everything. If people can make it along to them, I think they're in, invaluable as a learning tool to, to 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 making a career in this area and just as a fan to learn more. But uh, one of the things that jumped out to me, and again, they've changed the rules slightly, but it goes back again to misinformation, um, which is probably the bane of the referee and judges. Because um, <laughs> it can come from commentary by accident oh, or whatever. Yes. Because why would the commentators have gone on courses and so on and so forth? That's fair. It's, it's the, they've got their area that they need to get right. But um, the one that struck me was I'd always thought of, of a downed opponent as three points down. And I'm yeah. not sure if it's changed now. But at that point, you were explaining it's anything other than the sole of your of the foot. feet. Yeah, it doesn't have to be th- three could points. Could be two points. Down. Three points could be you've got one leg up in the air and a foot, a hand down. Correct. That's correct. That's that's a downed opponent. It was down. down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so how's it changed now? And what's the obviously the change was on the the, the the revision of the rules that came in early last year, which again is at some places and not yeah, at others. Yeah, sadly, so it's it's to deal <laughs> so, with it's that's like a a bit of a cluster in, in the yeah. USA some athletic commissions have adopted them uh, most haven't yeah um, but the good news is outside of that globally when we go to the UFC or the other but they will adopt the new rules yeah perfect and, and like the leading promotions in Europe you know Obama Cage yeah. Royal, all the guys I work with they're all straight in and it yeah. you know no problem and, and and it wasn't so much, you know, new, it was basically a revision of a list yeah. of fouls. Yeah. No, no new rules. Yeah. There was two rules that were deleted, useless rules. Yeah. One, one new rule that was inserted with regards to fingers towards the eyes. Yeah. And the clarification, you know, more of a, an add-on to classifying a down fighter to get away from fighters playing the game. Yeah. Staying on two feet, putting one hand down, almost drawing a foul. Yeah. So now we're saying, okay... Two hands down. If you're on the soles of your feet, and you think about it, if I'm on the soles of the feet with two hands down, it's not a position I want to stay there. No. It's because I'm being forced there, either yeah. being dumped or hanked or, yeah. or, or or pushed or thrown to the canvas. If my hands are weight-bearing, I can't... I'm in no position to block an incoming knee or a kick to my face. Sure. Yeah. But if I have that choice removed, then I am. Yeah, so rather than just tapping the tips of your fingers Correct. down to go, I'm down, you can't strike me. It's, it's weight bearing now. Two flat hands or two yeah. or two closed fists. And you think, who the hell's going to stay there with two closed fists, yeah. you know, almost, you know, ape-like, two yeah. closed fists and, 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 and your feet on the floor. It's 
The position is there to protect you in transitional phases, either being dumped down or getting back up. Yeah. Um, but anything other than this is why it drives me mad thinking, how do you not understand this? You know? Yeah. And I do feel for the <laughs> for people's confusion. But if anything other than it doesn't matter what I do with my hands, if my butt, if my elbow, if my knee or any other body part of me touches the floor, I can have yeah. fifty hands, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm immediately classed as grounded. Yeah. Um and then there was more, um, a little bit more of a, a, a revision and an add-on for for judges too. Yeah. In particular, they're helping them figure out what a what a ten eight round was. Yeah, and that's a good thing because again, that leads us on to our next thing. One of the most talked about things is that the ten point must system doesn't fit for mixed martial arts. Again, it's a similar one where I think it does if the people scoring are educated. Correctly. I think the 10-point mass system is absolutely perfect. fine. It's brilliant. Remember, you hear me talk about this on yeah. the seminar. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Because it's a second reaction. Yeah. It's a secondary thing. Yeah. The 10-point mustard was sat there. It's nice, 10, round, whole number. Yeah. All the emphasis, the education, and the ability has to be put on you as a judge. Yeah. Before you even decide what points I'm going to give, you have a list of criteria. Yeah. I need you to understand that criteria. Yeah figure it out and be able to concisely apply it during any round of a fight yeah. before you give decide to give 10, 9, 8, 7, wherever yeah, it may be. Course. That's the important part. Yeah. And and the, the, the clarification of the 10, 8, but, but, because, again, I like that as well. That was a bit which I could see the argument because it kind of came from boxing and if you're knocked down, then it becomes a... A ten eight and in mixed martial arts, not always, but there's, yeah, there's 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 a lot more. It could just be a consistent domination. You could it could be just a wrestling and a beating on the ground. How do you then? If yes, it's, if it's five minutes of constant on top beating, then that should be a, a ten eight. So the clarification of that, I think, yeah, that solved any issues that people should have with the ten eight or ten or, or a ten one. I'm, 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 I'm a system. Yeah, works. I mean, obviously, the 10-8 the was there because you were having a couple of things going wrong with, with MMA. You know, fighters were essentially having the piss beat out of them yeah. for, for, for five minutes and yeah. still being awarded 10-9. You know, that's not... Mm. If, if a marginal gap or, a, or, a, or an overwhelming gap opens up, um, and that could be pockets. Yeah. It might not be one sustained 30, yeah. 40 seconds. Pockets. Um, uh, across that round to to give the, a 10-9 could be wafer thin as we said and a 10-9 yeah. can also be quite a marginal gap yeah. but to have a fighter come in and impose himself causing you know causing um, uh, impact and effective damage inverted commas mm-hmm. uh, across a duration of a round uh, the, the three key words we use on a training front three D's damage domination duration yeah if we have all three of those things that occur in, a, in, in one round, it's pretty much a given yeah. that it's not fair to reward the fighter with uh, a 10-9. It should be yeah. 10-8. Yeah, sure. If I have two of those, I should be leaning towards or consider. But I try and tell people that one of the two should always be damaged because I can dominate somebody for a duration. I could take somebody down and hold them down as, yeah. as a good wrestler but not necessarily inflict any impact or any damage. Yeah, of course. You know, so yeah. it's it's difficult. People would say, look, should there be more 10-8 ten eight rounds in MMA? And I'll say, yes, there should, if the round is a fucking 10-8. <laughs> yeah, Let's yeah, have clarification yeah. on that, explain it, and help the judges get better. Completely. So, so one more thing I'll, I'll, I'll go into. I've, I've missed loads of stuff 
but we'll wrap things up. Um, it's another one that we've had an incident in recent times, and it was one that I, before the rules changed, I remember screaming at the TV when Rogan or someone was saying about his his hand was down or whatever, and knowing it's anything other than the soul's feet. And similarly, when people were talking about in the Hector Lombard at CB Dalloway match, he had time to hear this. He would have heard the bell, so on and so forth. Yeah. The bell is for the ref, right? Correct. It's not for the fighters. It's nothing to do with he should have heard the bell. The bell is for the ref. So if he gets in between it, correct, then that's, that's that, right? Correct. Look, in most cases, in a lot of cases, fighters will hear the bell and they will react to the bell yeah. in a good sportsman-like fashion. Yeah. Fantastic. However, it doesn't always work like that. Yeah. You, you could have two fighters, you know, sometimes you hear the 10-second warning and that's for A, to signify to the corners to get ready. Yeah. And the referees will also make a, a visual gesture to say, look, I've heard it and we can start counting down yeah. or whatever it may be. So it's getting everybody ready. Sometimes two fighters will plant down and they'll throw themselves at yeah. each other and they'll start opening up. That's when you'll see a good referee. I, I personally, I position myself a lot. You'll see me move into the camera view a lot closer. Yeah. So that when because the even be- if they're not just swinging, they'll often be readying for that final. Yes, when move, the bell goes, when the bell goes, it's fantastic when fighters acknowledge that and walk yeah. away, and that's the most thing times. But it's not, it's my responsibility, and I do two things. Sometimes you don't have to interject, but they'll just separate or the, there's a distance. But when the bell goes, it's me. I do two things. You give an audible and a visual gesture. Audible, stop, and I'll interject. And if you interject between people, when your hand comes across, you've then got the marker in your mind. Yeah. When the physical barrier goes in, and I've said stop, then if something comes in over and above that, that's when you're going to class it as late. Without having that visual barrier, you're putting yourself at a disservice as a ref. Yeah. We're the ones who are supposed to act on the bell. Yeah, but we've become used to being reliant on the fighters doing it, which isn't 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 the case. And it's it's a weird one because it is then this trial by social media and by slow motion replays or whatever else. <sighs> which again, you don't realise it's this split second thing. I've always I've got a lot of stick in the past for being a slight defender, not completely, but a slight defender of of, of Pal Harris because when people see these things of him holding on for too long, it's still always when you watch it, it's a second or half a second and. Yeah. That's tight. If you're in the in the heat of battle as such, in a loud arena, yeah. a second, half a second, I can understand that. I can understand that. Again, it's not. I'm not saying it's excusable or it shouldn't be cramped down upon, but similar with Lombard on this one, in my, my thought was if, you're, if you've heard the 10-second clap and you're ready to explode, you're someone who's that explosive as well, if you're trained... A, a reaction to a body kick is a cross jet or a, a, a cross straight, a cross hook or whatever. It's then you're going to have bang. that bang bang. That's yeah. it. It's and particularly with someone like him who is that quick. It's not bang bang. It's bang bang. Yeah. You need if if you're as explosive as that, you've not got an option of it's meant to be bang bang, but it's going to be bang because you're throwing both at once. Essentially, it's both are being agreed thrown out there. So it's, and that's it's, when you need us to get that intervention. Yeah. And then you have people though watching the video going. So the buzzer was then, and then that punt. Yeah, that one. It's, was it in midair? Like, was it launched? Shut up! Was it, yeah, it's, come it's, on. It's, it's irrelevant in that. 
with that hindsight analysis. And the same you talk, Pal Harris is a good example. Yeah. I remember Pal Harris, you know, I've refed him. I refed, if you remember. I was like, to, to the commission, thanks a fucking lot. Yeah. When Pal Harris fought Hector Lombard. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm stood there thinking, <laughs> don't tell me this fucking fight's going to go down in normal. Something's got to happen. Yeah. You, got, yeah, you know, Hector's known for being hot-headed and crazy. And you got Pal Harris, who's, you know, sometimes... Uh, yeah, I was sitting there thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to be on the ball here. Yeah. But he TKO'd him quite quick. Yeah. But here's the thing with, as a referee, if I know that a fighter is in a certain, does things a certain way, I'm going to position and adapt myself. Yeah. So if you remember the fight when he fought John Fitch, yep. I think he finished with the Kimura. Yep. Now, what I don't want to do with Pau Hara is when the bell goes, tap him, get, please let go, you stop. Now, yeah. when I find there, I'm attacking his hand straight yeah. away, his wrist, to pull him off. Yeah, great. And that's the same instance of me putting the hand across because now I have a physical marker for myself. Yeah. So if he feels me do that, he, he, he then can't say, I didn't hear you say stop, no. I didn't understand, I didn't hear the bell. If and I'm if he f- wants to do anything, he's fighting against you as well. Correct. Which is- so if I physically do some things, yeah. let go there, and then he's still there, then I'm on the marker then, and yeah. I'm in perfect jurisdiction to go, no. You, you ignored me, you ignored the physical and the audible, forget the audible, you ignored the physical um, intervention, yeah. I'm going to take a point, etc., etc. Yeah. It's helping. As a referee, as you know, we don't need an invite for people to throw shit at us. Of course. And I explain to referees, look after yourself, protect yeah. yourself. That's why I deal with fouls in a certain way. People give me good credit for the weather. Yeah. I Because I know I'm mic'd up, yeah. so I'm doing it to give the commentators, the, everybody knows... But also, it's my fashion of doing yeah. it. I'm protecting myself. Yeah. So they come, I said, don't say this, because that's what I said. Yeah. You and know? that's what I like. Again, it's seeing you talk clearly and concisely in the situation, Keep in a moment job. when it's doable as well. Is obviously, if, they're, if, if someone's just holding down or whatever, it's those moments like, I'm going to stop this or I'm going to, you know. Um, so, I mean, it's a good point. Uh, to round things up, um, where on social media can people come to throw shit at you? Where, where are the best? Um, <laughs> yeah. You're on Twitter and Facebook. I, I, I'm on Twitter. Yeah, the, the best one for me is on, on Twitter. I'll give a fourth handle now. Now, you'll find me on Twitter. It's just my name, Mark, M-A-R-C, Goddard, yeah. underscore UK. And where can people keep up to date on seminars, on, on the IMF stuff, on, on everything? Generally, they'll find it across either my, I kind of like... Uh, you know, last week I finally got an Instagram. Right. I never had Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I just signed up to it, yeah. I think, two weeks ago. Um, so I'm going to have to build up my following on Instagram the way I did with uh, Twitter. Yeah. But um, I'll try and link everything together. Okay. You see, it's kind of weird because the seminars I do now, they're almost closed. Yeah. But they're closed for officials, part of the IMAF. Yeah. But I'm working on uh, something, a little side project to do more public seminars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe um, I'm not going to take too much away from it or give too much away, yeah. but I'm working on something to make this sport as accessible for every. I have a, a duty to make everybody try and understand. So I'm working on a, yeah. a content-driven thing to, to, to help people do that. And that's great because similarly as we were saying, the change has come from people being trained as MMA artists the change will come in the refereeing and judging in people being trained, not coming over from boxing or kickboxing, being trained as MMA judges and refs and things like that. And we've got it in in commentary and things like that. I think John Goddard, John Gooden, sorry, is great, and Dan Hardy and people like this, where you've got that mixture of people who haven't 
competed but have studied the sport. Dan's like awesome, that. isn't he? Yeah, again, I, I, I love that He kind came of thing. on the seminar. Yeah. Dan, which for me, you know, huge respect because yeah. he, and uh, it's so weird, you know, I like Dan as a person. Yeah. And obviously, I've watched him. I've... He's one of the few people I've had on the podcast twice. I generally don't have return our visits, but Dan was like, I've got a book out. Can I come on again? I was like, yeah, of course you can. He's a good guy. Yeah. And he done that when he got the gig prior to him doing his first. He said, he called yeah. me and said, I need to come on your seminar because yeah. I want to be armed with the right info. Yeah. I have huge respect for that. And that's great because, again, you see Dan and John, again, both studying the pronunciation of names, going on courses, doing all these things that people should be doing. Yeah, John's done it too, I'm sure. Yeah. The, yeah. The, well, he don't... was on it. Oh, when I was there. Oh, he was, yeah. yeah Don't get upset, on, on John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, sorry. You have also done it too. <laughs> but I think I had to, yeah, if I remember right, I think I, from his Cage Warriors days, I was yeah. badgering him to get on it. Yeah. I was saying to him, come on the course, come on the course. And again, I mean, now's a perfect time to reiterate, I got top marks in the score, so um, I was above <laughs> John. John was in that class, so I'm just saying. He, he did very well as well. But you beat but, him. Um, yeah, yeah. I beat him, so let's, let's make that clear. Well, thank you very much for coming on and, and, ch- and chatting. I'm glad we got it done. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure, bro. Enjoyed it. There we go. That was Mark Goddard. Um, what an intelligent, interesting, honest, open dude. I think he's really important for MMA in the UK because what he's doing in the cage and outside of the cage is educating and spreading the word. But what I was going to talk about, and I didn't want to do it at the beginning, was we discussed there. Mark says he'd be really... Di- disappointed if a corner ever had to throw in the towel because he wishes he would wish that he would have noticed that and he would see that as a failing and there was an inter- but just because of that there was an interesting one this weekend where in my opinion a corner sh- should have thrown in the towel but at the same time mark isn't at fault at all so what happened at the end of the, f- the fourth round in the main event of a man known as against a raquel pennington um is raquel pennington said to her corner I'm done so her her nose was broken she was four rounds down and taking a beating and she said I'm done now Mark didn't hear this so she didn't tell the referee I'm done so I think it's understandable for him to not notice she said to her corner I'm done and they said don't quit you've got this just go in there and give it your all which in my opinion is poor cornering you're not protecting your fighter you're doing you're doing everything that this sport evolved away from you're going let's just slug it out and tough it out no it's a sport it's athletes fighter fighter safety is paramount now what ended up happening i did a tweet saying i think that's disgusting whatever happens because it was before the round had started so if she'd even if she'd had a comeback win i still feel that's the wrong choice because she felt that if 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 the athlete feels that she's done, but she she's done. A few people responded to my tweet and said she could have told the ref that. You, th- th- that's ridiculous, though. You shouldn't be putting that guilt on the fighter if she's told her corner sh- as she as she's done, and they've said just go out there. It's going to be hard for her to then go. Oh, actually, I'll go to the ref and tell him. But sh- she went out and it had to be stopped. And Mark again, to his credit, 
as she didn't get knocked out, she was being overwhelmed on the ground, and Mark had seen enough and stopped it because, as I said, he's the best ref in the game. But it was, as yeah, I was disappointed. We talk in this podcast about the progression that there are corners now who when their fighter is done they know they're done and they'll pull them out rather than see them take further damage or potentially shorten their career um and that didn't happen last night as i recalled this last night obviously it's at the weekend but yeah anyway as i said in the intro bellator 200 is in london um on friday the 25th of this month I recommend you get down there. The lineup is amazing. And then if you're in Liverpool on the 27th, again, if you're anywhere near Wells Comedy Festival, then fuck UFC. No, I'm kidding. But if, if you're in Liverpool, the, the, the UFC card is ridiculous. Darren Till v Wonderboy is just amazing. But yeah, great time for MMA in the UK this coming, like or the next weekend. So yeah, check them out. I'll be back next week. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Bye-bye.